the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back and happy Wednesday, November 25th. We head tomorrow into a great holiday, Thanksgiving. Part of me wanted to write a once great holiday. For this year, unlike years past, it's coming to us with additional stress. A holiday that comes with normal stress. Good stress, mind you, but stress has had a lot more weight put on it given certain state regulations, travel advisories, health advisories, comportment advisories, capacity limits, and the like. The day itself was always a day to think about two important institutions, the two most important, to be grateful for them, family and country. I don't know if there are any two more important things, and this is the holiday that always puts them together, making it in some respects just a bit more meaningful to some than even the 4th of July. It begs the thinking of Aristotle's in his book, The Politics, where he discusses how each institution reinforces and contemplates the other. He writes, not uncontroversially, because man's sense of good and evil, of just and unjust, he forms two institutions, the family and the state. Now, this is where it gets interesting, as Aristotle goes on to write this, quote, The state is by nature clearly prior to the family and to the individual, since the whole is of necessity prior to the part. For example, if the whole body be destroyed, there will be no foot or hand, except in an equivocal sense, as we might speak of a stone hand, for when destroyed, the hand will be no better than that. But things are defined by their working and power, he continues, and we ought not to say that they are the same, when they no longer have their proper quality, but only that they have the name. The proof that the state is a creation of nature and prior to the individual is that the individual, when isolated, is not self-sufficing, and therefore he is like a part in relation to the whole. But he who is unable to live in society, or who has no need because he is sufficient for himself, Aristotle writes, must either be a beast or a god. He is no part of the state. A social instinct is implanted in all men by nature, and yet he who first founded the state was the greatest of benefactors for man. When perfected, is the best of all animals. But when separated from law and justice, is the worst of all animals. Close quote. There's a lot there, isn't there? So we contemplate the kind of country we want in order to raise the kinds of human beings and families we want. It's a good thing for we conservatives to think about all this right now, and especially, too, the part about social instincts implanted in us and how we were not meant to live alone or in isolation. It's not good that man should be alone. It is, of course, not just Aristotelian, as anyone familiar with Genesis certainly knows. And, of course, it's good and important right now after an election that we think about what Aristotle said regarding man being the worst of all animals when separated from law and justice. Just right there, in that one paragraph from the politics, we have a lot of thinking and contemplating to do. What kind of country do we want so that we can raise the kinds of families we want? 
None of it can be done by forcing humans into unnatural conditions, namely isolation. And that, with the right views of law and justice, we are the best of animals, and with the wrong, the worst. Might you sense, in looking back over the year, that forced isolation, forced unnatural conditions have put us in an unenviable place where it's led to increased crime, increased self-harm, substance abuse, relapse, suicide, and even, one might add, anarchical violence. Even more, I would add a new and unnatural and retrograde thinking about matters of race, which, of course, reduces the human condition to another set of unnatural perversions of law and justice. Indeed, the very philosophical basis of slavery is what it reduces us to. In other words, we've lost a lot this year. We've backtracked a lot this year. And I'm not sure it's going to be so easy to redress and fix. And yet, here we are, Thanksgiving. So, of course, I take a day like today to nurture and nurse some private thoughts about my family and how grateful I am to it and to be part of it. But I also take the time to think of the patriotism, the love of this country that Thanksgiving has always represented to me and so many others, especially our military families here who have loved ones fighting for us abroad and, of course, those loved ones who are stationed and fighting for us abroad. We cannot fully say of ourselves what the English say of themselves, as taken from Shakespeare. For example, this blessed plot, this earth, this realm, this England. But we are a blessed plot and a realm of something very important. Perhaps a shining city on a hill. That was Ronald Reagan's phraseology. It was his because he made it shining. The original phrase from the book of Matthew, of course, is a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And, of course, relevant to Thanksgiving, John Winthrop told his Massachusetts Bay colonists aboard the Arbella that they were entering and creating a city on a hill. This farewell address to the country, and one might say to the world, from the Oval Office, here is how President Ronald Reagan last described his imagery. He said, quote, I've spoken of the shining city all my life, but I don't know if I ever quite communicated when I saw what I said, what I saw when I said it. But in my mind, it was a tall, proud city built on rocks, stronger than oceans, windswept, God-blessed, and teeming with people of all kinds, living in harmony and peace, a city with free ports that hummed with commerce and creativity. And if there had to be city walls, the walls had doors, and the doors were open to anyone with the will and the heart to get here. That's how I saw it and see it still. Close quote. But then he went on just a little longer, and he said, quote, And how stands the city on this winter night? More prosperous, more secure, and happier than it was eight years ago. But more than that, after 200 years, two centuries, she still stands strong and true on the granite ridge, and her glow is held steady no matter what storm. And she's still a beacon, still a magnet for all who must have freedom, for all the pilgrims from all the lost places who are hurtling through the darkness toward home, close quote. Regular listeners of this show know that's how we try and think of and about ourselves. How strong on the granite ridge are we standing? How bright is our light shining right now? As I pointed out as well, it's a curious thing that we, as we have created so much prosperity at home and abroad, never in the past three or so years have we heard so much about socialism or from socialism in this country, never so positively, never has it taken such a neutral or promotional hold like it has here recently, with such a blasé response from so many, especially in the Democratic Party. I think we need to worry about it, 
and I think we need to talk about it. We rested on too many laurels and thought it could not happen here. Well, we have congressmen and senators and major contenders for president celebrating and promoting it. We saw other leaders of the Democratic Party coddling and supporting and seeking the votaries of those congressmen and senators. If we're not careful, it'll grow stronger, though it's pretty strong right now. As I say, stronger and more implanted here than ever before. We need to go back to fundamentals. We put food on our table, clothing on our children, and roofs above our heads because of of our industriousness, because we can all hope for and can strive for a positive in our own personal ledgers, a profit of some kind in our own households. We strive for those personal profits through our commerce, through work. And we do so thinking, not knowing but thinking, if we work hard, we'll do okay. Of course, we know not all our efforts are rewarded that way all the time, and governments can step in and stop it too, can't they? High unemployment, though, means layoffs, and too often too little or no work available. So does forced and self-imposed unemployment, something we never thought we'd see. So the question to think about always, but perhaps now more than ever, given our election season, are the conditions our government makes for us helping or hampering all of our chances, all of our success, all of our potential prosperity? Is there a committed emphasis to free enterprise and thus free employment? Or rather, is there a committed emphasis to greater regulation and an ethos of punishment toward profit? A commitment to more shutting down rather than opening up. A commitment to more unnatural isolation and to social interaction. Is our government and are its policies committed to making the poor richer with our leaders talking up the great engine of economic growth this country can be at its best? Or rather, Are our leaders more committed to making the rich poorer to satisfy some notion of equality that doesn't attempt to raise everyone's standards, but rather attempts to lower the higher standards so that the lower ones are more on par with them? In other words, are we trying to achieve the low by condemning the high, or are we teaching the high in order to raise the low? Are we trying to make more Elon Musk's, more Steve Jobs, or rather, are we saying those examples of success are actually anomalous examples of excess, and nobody should either think that achievement is possible here again, and where it exists now, it should be taxed more and somehow punished? Those companies, just as two examples, were built from nothing but dreams of average Americans. Well, one American and one who knew it could only be done in America. Today... They employ hundreds of thousands of people directly and indirectly, and they make commerce for hundreds of millions easier. In many cases, they simply make commerce possible. Pick your own company when you think about these things. It doesn't have to be Tesla or Apple. It is in its success to be scorned. and Is it a success that needs to be scorned and further taxed, or does it actually mean something important to a lot of people, such that its operations should be made easier and not harder? We've lost our Lincoln not just on humanity and equality, but on commerce and industry. Lincoln taught this, and it's nowhere taught in our schools. Not anymore. He put it this, quote, Property is the fruit of labor. Property is desirable. It is a positive good in the world. That some should be rich shows that others may become rich, and hence is just encouragement to industry and enterprise. Let not him who is houseless pull down the house 
of another, but let him labor diligently and build one for himself, thus by example assuring that his own home shall be safe from violence when built. Close quote. I'd recommend that be put in every school. It won't be. The point of what I'm thinking about this Thanksgiving is this. How stands our city right now? The question Ronald Reagan asked. Look at what can happen in four short years. Great things. And look at what can also be done in opposition. Terrible things to undo the greatness. Turns out it's all pretty fragile. Every good is pretty reversible. With enough support for bad and unjust ideas, they do get reversed and broken. But this plot, this earth, this city, if I may, it's worth saving and fixing. What makes it so great in all our minds is we know it is fixable. American history is a ribbon always unfurling. That's what Ronald Reagan said, too, and he's right. I'm an optimist. We had Carter, and then we had Reagan. We were in the lowest of valleys, and then we reached high mountaintops. I think we can do it only by redounding to and rediscovering where we must, what gave us the opportunities for greatness after all. And heading into this holiday, I think about how those possibilities are still before us, infirmly in too many places and in too much thinking, but still before us. Chuck Schumer says first we take Georgia and then we change the world. Deserves a robust response from us. First we take Georgia and then we begin repairing America. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Next time you see her. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Got a heck of a group of guests here today, but I want to hear from you too, 602-508-0960. We have the great Andy Biggs. We have the great Alex Berenson. And someone who I'm not sure has been a guest on this show before, but has been invoked a lot over the years and certainly one of the great women of America, Mrs. Elaine Bennett, um, the, um, the, uh, the wife to Bill Bennett. She is going to be joining us in the third hour. She is a lot of fun. She's really smart, too, and she's done some great work um, with uh, our children across the country. But she's going to tell us how to behave for Thanksgiving. She has these rules that have become kind of a cottage industry of what shall we say, Thanksgiving manners, right? And um, it's just going to be fun to talk to her. But again, I do want to hear from you, 602-508-0960. The big breaking news uh, is not Joe Biden's Thanksgiving speech, which he gave today. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, my gosh, Dolores and sad and empty of any cheer whatsoever again with the cold dark winter it's um it's a downer to watch him i mean beware the dampers and cynics he's not a cynic but boy is he a damper and not even he looked like he was happy as he walked away from the stage uh this is not uh, someone giving the country lift at a point boy when it seems like it could use it the big news is that Donald Trump has issued a full pardon to General Michael Flynn, 
his former national security advisor, who was caught up in a ring he never should have been caught up in, not because he did anything wrong, but because the Obama administration set him up. I'll use the words of um, Paul Mirengoff Paul from the Powerline blog. Accordingly, given what happened with Michael Flynn, the U.S. Justice Department under Donald Trump sought to dismiss, dismiss the prosecution of him. That should have ended the case as a matter of law. However, Judge Emmett Sullivan, unhappy that Flynn either lied or lied in the courtroom about pleading guilty, he kept the matter alive. Months after the case should have been dismissed, it was still hanging over Flynn's head. Well, now no longer. I think the pardon was justified on several grounds. First, the Justice Department's decision to dismiss the case against General Flynn should have ended his legal jeopardy. Second, General Flynn served his country with distinction for decades. Third, Flynn was set up by vindictive operatives in the Obama administration. It would have been better had Sullivan dismissed the case against Flynn or if the D.C. Circuit had ordered its dismissal. However, time was beginning to run short, given that the Biden administration, when it came, if it came, probably would have reversed Attorney General Barr's decision to seek a dismissal. That Trump pulled this trigger and put this case out of its misery is a good thing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. On top of which, General Flynn did nothing wrong, nothing at all. Um, So there's that. The other thing I want to talk about is, well, there's a lot I want to talk about, but I just, this tweet just bothers the heck out of me from someone I don't know of, but a lot of others do. I guess she's a Hollywood type. Do you know of her bill, Jillian Barbieri? Barbieri? You do know who she is, yes. Well, she has a lot of Twitter followers, um, if nothing else. She uh, tweeted this today. Love at Joe Biden and at Kamala Harris. For today was the first day in four years I didn't wake up and immediately grab for my phone to see who we were at war with. Do you realize how idiotically stupid that is? How many wars did Trump start? Answer, zero, right? Now, what was the Obama record? What was the Obama Biden record launched airstrikes or military raids in get your hand up. We've got to count. You showed me zero. Count them. Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, Pakistan. Seven. Zero to seven. Insanity. There was a story in the Arizona Republic today about Libya. Libya was not broken until Obama broke it. There are two Governments claiming to run Libya today. I guess there's two countries more because of Obama. Neither good. A lot more to come. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If it's 34 past the hour, it's time for John Dombrowski, who gives us our culture economy and economy update. He of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. John, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, Seth. How are you? I'm well, sir. And you? Fantastic. What are you doing for the holiday? 
I'm just going to get together with my beautiful wife, Tracy, and we're going to just spend it together. You do have a beautiful wife named Tracy. I've been oh, pleased, pleased to get, get to know her over the years as well. Good for you guys. Yeah. Good. All right. What do we got today? We're a little bit uh, backtracking on yesterday's uh, highs. Yeah. Uh, there mm-hmm. are some other pieces of news I want to talk to you about. Housing. Yeah. Yeah, Big housing. story. Mm-hmm. Uh, inflation worries. Lay it on me. Okay, so here's the thing, right? Back in 1834 on this day, yeah. Delmonico's Steakhouse. You've heard of them now, right? They're world-renowned, world, world renowned, right? Yeah, I want to say something about it, but go I've ahead. never been. Uh-huh. I've never been. One of New York's finest restaurants, it says here, provided a meal of soup, steak, coffee, and half of a pie for 12 cents back in 1834. Wow. Yeah. So, talk about inflation. Wait. No, no, no. You can't talk about steak and pie and think I'm going to be silent. The thing about the Delmonico steak yes. that you may see at other restaurants, mm-hmm. you may not have known this. You may have. It can be anything. Yes. You did know this. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. But this is it actually- It always sounds like something you want. It sounds like something good, but it can be anything. Yes. But this is the steakhouse named Delmonico's. I, I, I understand. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. okay, so now here we are. Fast forward now. Uh, what is it? Uh, 184 years, whatever, 86 years. Uh-huh. Uh, and we've got what what, what a, a steak like that would cost, obviously, would be, you know, probably more in the 100 plus dollar range for all of that food. Um, but here, if we, if what's interesting, if we look at inflation. Over... I don't eat where you eat. I no, but I'm saying for. for... You, you live Wait a, a minute. Life no. You're doing much better than for, I'm doing. For soup. Hold on. For soup, steak, coffee, and half of a pie. I'm not spending $100. Well, I guess if you go to a fine restaurant. I guess if you do. Okay. Well, go ahead. You be, I know, I'm I've, sorry, John. Go I ahead. I drive by and I see I almost you parked fell off over. my chair there. Go I ahead. see you parked over at City Hall right, over there. All right, all right, all right. Continue, John. Continue. We have to do our annual meal soon. By Should, the way. We do. Yeah. I know. I'm missing that. Yeah. Go ahead. We go to our favorite yeah, place. I'm going to give you the bill. We won't say where that is. <laughs> I lost it. I'm sorry. Popeye's I'm really chicken. Sorry. <laughs> Cut my mic. You talk. <laughs> um, well, I just looked at the historical rates okay. for, for inflation. <laughs> okay. And we are in a very low inflationary period right now, Seth, historically, when you look back. Uh, right now, we're you know under 2%. There have been times during when we go back to the Jimmy Carter era, as you know, we were in 13% inflation back then in 1980. And if we go back even, even further, 15% in 1920, of course, we had the market crash in 29. We went into a high inflationary period. And then a deflationary period. People are very concerned about inflation, but right now it is not an issue. Right. But – Housing, this is what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. New home sales are up 41% year over year. That's an incredible jump. And what we're seeing because of that demand is is the new home builders can't keep up with the demand. They're taking deposits, Seth, on properties right now on housing that they're proposing to build. But they are going to be pushed back. The stress on the building time is just incredible. Also, the prices for land, labor, and materials is increasing, even though we're in this low inflationary period. But it's not low inflation for housing right now. And people have to realize this. Yes, interest rates are low, but the cost of housing is increasing drastically. And Phoenix is right up there, number one in the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's right. And that's a good thing to be concerned about. Is it true we should be concerned about inflation? It's not a concern I want or I think should trump the issue. 
But once we're over COVID and things open up again, can spending, can people being relieved to go out and spend more again, can that be a catalyst for that problem? Well, you know, I was looking at the consumer sentiment um, recently here. We had a 76.9% consumer sentiment down a little bit from last month, uh, but overall still very high uh, compared to April, right, when we first hit this uh, COVID-19 issue. Uh, so consumers are seeming that they want to spend. Personal savings rates are still high in comparison to historical numbers. Yeah. Uh, people are pent up. They want to probably go out and spend. The holiday season is here. We may be surprised by some of the spending that we see right, out there good. during this holiday season. Good. To hedge Even if it's just it, online. To hedge against it, you can help, too, can't you, John? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So if folks want to get in touch with me, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finra and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Just Happy don't, just don't offer to take take the bill if you go out to eat with him. Oh, my God. <laughs> or let him pick the restaurant. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, Happy Thanksgiving. I'll, never I'll call you this about down. our annual jack-in-the-box oh, yeah. meal next week. <laughs> our Popeye's chicken. Yeah. Same, yeah. You got it. Okay. God love you. <laughs> God bless. <laughs>Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I uh, had Andy Biggs on last week, and I said I wasn't going to wish him a happy Thanksgiving then because I knew I wanted to talk to him before Thanksgiving, and here we are. Andy Biggs, congressman representing Arizona's 5th Congressional District, chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Happy Thanksgiving, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Seth. Thank you. Thank you for all your work and help this year. Really appreciate it. You have a great column at Town Hall. This Thanksgiving, I choose the safety of freedom. This issue, safetyism, my gosh, it seems to be a new religion in America. Tell us what you're getting at, sir. What I'm getting at is um, this: the notion, there's a couple things that I'm trying to get at. First of all, is the notion that that reverting to lockdown, taking away freedoms of, of otherwise sentient, free-thinking Americans is actually uh, far more grave, not just on, on the, uh, the civil liberties side, but it's also a, a real hazard of, uh, to the public health side as well with everything from the mental uh, illness consequences and this notion that, that you're going to get these leaders who say, hey, stay home and isolate. Basically, that's what they're saying. The remedy here for the, the virus to them is to isolate. Um, and if you isolate... Um, then you're going to, this is all going to blow by us. But in the meantime, everything else will collapse in your life. But what's fun about it is you got people like uh, the Denver mayor uh, now, uh, heading back to flying back to Mississippi after he's asked and, and begged everyone to stay home, don't travel. You've got uh, the Governor Cuomo uh, saying, look, hey, look, this is the deal. We want you to uh, my my daughters uh, can't even come with me for Thanksgiving. A couple hours later, it's, we all find out his mom and different daughters are flying in for Thanksgiving, and he gets so much pressure he stops it. So I guess I'm trying to get the hypocrisy of it. I'm trying to get at the the moral hazard of it. I'm trying to get at the at the uh, mental health and physical health hazard of the policies that are out there. And I'm trying to overall get to the to two things: the the inconsistency of what we're seeing. Uh, as a remedy. And then also, ultimately, we are Americans. We are free people. We were the freest people uh, in the history of this world. And we are seeing it eroded 
right before our eyes, and American people are acquiescing to it uh, uh, out of fear. And I and I don't I don't choose to be afraid anymore. I, I and I never was. I mean, I, I didn't uh, buy into this. My my theory is we are free. Let's choose the safety of freedom and uh, make our own calculated risks and, and rewards. Nicely stated, Andy. Um, let me explore this. Let me try this thought experiment with you on what Andrew uh, Cuomo said, did, undid, the mayor of Denver. Of course, you've seen it uh, from Nancy Pelosi and Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago. You've seen a lot of this. Uh, Gavin Newsom may have had uh, the generation of the most news when he um, went with a bunch of medical experts out to dinner, medical lobbyists, I should say, out to dinner at uh, French Laundry. And the first word we do come to mind, that we do have come to mind, is the one you used, hypocrisy. I was listening to another guy the other day who had another interesting take on it. I want to run it by you, too, see what you think. He said, sure, this is the hypocrisy, but they, that may not be the worst of it. The worst of it may be this. By their actions, whether it's Cuomo doing what he does or Newsom doing what he does, you know what they're doing? They're telling us they're lying. They're telling us that they don't believe what they're telling us. For if they believed what they were telling us, they would not be engaging in this behavior. They would not be going out in public. They would not be getting their hair done. They would not be inviting their 89-year-old mom to their dinner and their daughters to their dinner. They would not be going on flights. If it was as dangerous and risky as they were telling the rest of us, it shows they don't even believe what they're telling I think that's a good read on it. I, I do, too, and, and I'll just take it a step. So we move from hypocrisy to downright lying. Yeah. In other words, they're, they're deceptive. They're right. And I'll, get, I'll do you one more. Okay. Because I've watched this. This has been, in my mind, very Potemkin village-like. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this, is, this is the way the former Soviet Union leaders were. They, were. they expected people to believe whatever they said, and they compelled you to believe right. them. Now, uh, and, and what that was about was they didn't believe that communism right. and straight Marxism right. worked, right. Right. but they imposed. They wanted right. you to all do it. Right. Uh, but be, and, and this is the you know George Orwell's Animal Farm. You know everybody's all the pigs were equal except for some were just more equal yeah. than others. Yeah, some, some had better houses this, and, and ten Mercedes. Yeah, right. Exactly, yeah. and that's what this really is, is become. Is um, uh, and that's why uh, it, it's just so agitating to me that we've acquiesced. I was talking to somebody totally apolitical just totally apolitical last week, and they said, how did we get here where we're yeah. all giving up our freedoms? Yeah. I'm sick of us giving up our freedoms. And and that is, the, I think, the majoritarian uh, notion. Today. I hope so. Really I hope so. Yeah. I worry about it a little bit. Not a little bit, a lot of bit. I worry about it, how willing people were to believe in uh, efforts to save them from a disease, the statistics of which say that even if they get it, um, will have a survival rate of 99.9997%, even if they get it. Average age of death, yep. 80. You know, I, I, I worry about a society that imposes unemployment and disaster on itself. This notion of re-isolation or isolation, you're absolutely right, Andy, Um there was there was a field of social science that was growing and strong talking about the great dangers of isolation, subjecting people to depression, drug and alcohol abuse, relapse, 
canceling of churches, isol- uh, church and, and, and religious gatherings, uh, even for goodness sakes, 12-step meetings, re-isolating, especially times when you're supposed to gather. I think, Andy, we're on the precipice of whenever this thing ends, even after a vaccine, having years of devastating consequences as a result of the reaction to it. I really do. Well, I think you're right. And I, was, I just want to add this to to what we're talking about, because I think it fits right into it, Seth, and that's this. Um, when, when your government is no longer trustworthy, when your leaders uh, lie to you about something like this, and... Um, and they and they're seeing that what we're seeing is absolute deception, right? Then there there is nothing about that government that is trustworthy That's anymore. That's right. That's right. So so you add in the notion of what just happened That's in the right. election. That's right. Nobody believes that. Nobody believes that. People on both sides of the aisle don't believe it. Um, They've created know, conditions for doubt. No question. Exactly. Yeah. And and it will and will spread. It'll undermine. And and so what they will use that the, the undermining of that creates a vacuum. And I hate to tell you this, but authoritarians love a vacuum because it allows them to step in you bet. and, and uh, coerce people to do things that you don't want, that they don't want to do. Right. You have I'm a certain trust of people going. to have a civil society. That being gone right. only leads to, yes, authoritarianism. Right. 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 Exactly right. Well, let's resist it with everything we can. I'll do it side by side with you. I'll be guided by you, sir. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Seth. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours as well, Andy Biggs. His piece, it's a great one. This Thanksgiving, I choose the safety of freedom over at townhall.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Tony's in Scottsdale. Hi, Tony. Hey, uh, Seth, happy Thanksgiving, my man. You too, sir. So uh, this, this is a little bit of, uh, uh, I guess the right word would be like uh, longing or sadness of times gone past. Yes, sir. I, I just wanted to tell Old Lang Syne, they may say even. You yes, know? Old Lang Syne, right. So I, as, as the swamp creatures return to Washington, D.C., uh, it, is, it is with longing that... I think back on how much I've enjoyed having a non-politician being our president. Okay, and, and first, let me start out by saying how disappointed I am to see Mr. John Kerry, who, Mr. No, 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 there is no path through middle, peace in the Middle East except through Palestine, Kerry, yeah. coming back right. coming back right. to play. Right. Okay, and, uh, and, uh, and, and all these other career politician bureaucrats coming back into play. That's extremely disappointing, but all I want to say is just one of the great takeaways that I think that we, as conservatives, need to have is that we need to have less politicians running for office. We need to to have people that aren't necessarily politically correct and and do make mistakes and don't necessarily choose other words wisely, but, but have the best interests of their government at heart. And, and anybody who watched Donald Trump, you may not have liked how he said his things or the tweets that he had, but if you watched him, there was nobody but that put more effort, more effort, and who, who, who wanted nothing more but the greatness of his own country. And so all I would say is that the great takeaway that we need to have is that we need to have less politicians running for political office. 
You know, um, yes, I, I, I not only share what you're saying, agree with what you're saying. I, I, I don't know if you had a chance to catch Joe Biden's speech today. You didn't have to if you didn't. But watch. Yeah, no, I, I did not. Fair enough. It's it's you know, it's it's just it's sad. It's boring. It's uninspiring. It's a reminder of everything I thought we weren't about. Quite honestly, as a country, there was no hope. It was a damper. It was bureaucrat speak with no joy, no nothing, nothing. And, you know, I I guess we're going to miss what we used to call energy in the executive very quickly. We're going to start right. missing it very hey, quickly. Hey, uh, hey uh, Seth, good talking with you. Have a great Thanksgiving. You bet. God bless you, sir. Thanks for your call. The great Alex Berenson up next. He has a brand new book out, Unreported Truths About COVID-19 and Lockdowns, Part 3, Masks.